Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show tonight, our Thursday night Survivor show. If you guys have a question on Survivor, you guys can call in um, 347-237-5506. Let's, let's have a great show, guys. Welcome, Survivor fans. This is the Red Reality Show Network. Cherry Garcia here. It's September, I'm sorry, October 6, 2016. I'm glad you all could join us for this late edition of Mike and the Mike with host Mike Albright. He's just wrapping up from his annual bonfire event and may even be doing tonight's show from his car, but at least both Mike and myself are in the Midwest and not in harm's way from Hurricane Matthew, which is making landfall in Florida in some areas as we speak. So prayers to those who are in the path of Category 4 Hurricane Matthew. Um, I know that many places uh, on the Upper East area of Florida have never been hit by a Category 4 hurricane, and this is very serious business. So uh, we are in hurricane watch, and uh, prayers are certainly being sent up to those who are being hit by this storm, and just hope that everyone is being safe out there. Um, Mike is going to recap the latest episode of Survivor, Millennials versus Gen X, so Let's uh, play his intro and get him up here on air with us and get this started tonight. Here we go, folks. Super fan. Big Mike. Big Mike, you're up. Mike, how are you, and how was your bonfire tonight? Hey, Sherry, coming to you live from I-71 between Columbus and Cleveland, Ohio. Our bonfire was a uh, rip-roaring success. Bush Lockley would have been proud of that fire we had going. We had two fires going. We had a uh, 
fire we were burning more beds on, and we had a fire we were making s'mores on, a smaller one. Uh, exciting event. Everything went well. Uh, we uh, 50 students got free T-shirts. They'll be here in about two and a half weeks. They have a cool logo that I designed for that and had a great time. And I'm actually not in my car heading up to Cleveland. I'm in my lovely lady friend's car, Isabel. So we're give her car a shout out. But we're we're driving and traveling up so we can make it to uh, Rocky Bowl two this weekend. So I'm totally stoked to talk about that. I was trying to get Rodney on to talk about about the event, but I'll try to recap kind of what's going on with that, recap the show, and see where we go, episode three. And I also want to uh, echo what you said about Greg and Matthew uh, turn up the eastern seaboard in Florida. I hope we don't have any adverse effects in the various New England states we're going to be in this weekend, and that all the listeners are safe and sound as well. In, uh, in our in our country, and it's kind of late for a hurricane of this magnitude, especially as strong as they're making it out to be. It, you know, it correlates to the show we had to deal with uh, two weeks ago on Survivor. They were dealing with a pretty thin storm, and you know, we're about to deal with it here. So, you know, people stay safe and sound. They they clean up their grocery store, get the water, the batteries. You know, non-perishable food items and everyone's safe and casually are low. But uh, uh, I enjoyed the episode. I've only seen it once, but I've got six pages of notes here, and we're going to recap the show. In general, Sherry, um, how's your week been? Uh, fine. Just very concerned about some friends down in Florida. But I did want to let you know it looks like the – path of the hurricane may take a totally different path than what they were speaking about earlier in the week about going up uh, the eastern seaboard. Um, okay. Now they're saying that it might it might go up to like the Carolinas a little bit and then take it a, a, a U-turn, go back out to sea, and then come back and hit Florida again. Wow. Well, as, I, I, as a smaller hurricane or possibly just a tropical storm, but it doesn't look like it's going to travel up the the, the coast like it did earlier, um, uh, predicted at one point earlier in the week that it was going to travel all the way up the east coast. And that prediction has, I think, fallen to the wayside now, and now it looks like it's going to, go up Florida and up the Carolinas a bit and then go back out to sea, wrap around, do like a U-turn, and come back around to Florida as a either smaller hurricane or a tropical storm. Wow. Well, I'm, I, well, I'm glad we're going to be safe, and I hope those people in Florida, Georgia, and South and North Carolina swing back around into uh, Florida that everyone's okay because uh, any hostile situation like that, we just hope everyone's well. We got listeners around the country and just hope people are safe. Uh, I know there's been a bit of that clown epidemic in the Carolinas, so if the hurricane blows through there, maybe it'll attack some of those idiots that are clowning around. But uh, hopefully, <laughs> maybe it'll wash out the clowns, right? <laughs> Yeah, wash the wash 
that paint off their faces and fill their big shoes with water. But hopefully it's not just being silly there, but I hope everyone's okay. Um, let's recap episode three. We had an um, interesting thing. The hype was this big, uh, this big summit thing that they were going to do. We weren't sure what exactly was going to happen with that. There was a lot of speculation. I was kind of curious because we at the point we had had a we had had a vote out on both uh, Millennial and Generation X. So I was thinking if they draw Drew Rocks, they could pull three people from each tribe to make a whole new tribe of six people and then have the remaining Gen X and Millennials and then have a battle that out. So I was thinking that could happen. Um, I thought they might just do a straight-up tribe swap because they've also done that that early. But instead, we just get kind of a... It was an interesting chance for the groups to, to mold and mount a, a random draw, and they send four Gen Xers and four Millennials, and they have this big summit and break bread with peanut butter and jelly on it. And uh, what was your take on that, Shrey? Were you expecting that or something different like I was, or what were you looking forward to going into that episode at the beginning of it? Um, I was expecting something a little different. I just wanted to let you know we're having a little bit of trouble hearing you. Um, are you on a speakerphone? Uh, yeah, I'm on a Bluetooth in the car. Do you want me to? You want me to turn my speakerphone on myself or turn up the volume or? It's just it's a little bit difficult to to understand you at times. So I don't know what you might be able to adjust to. But I was definitely thinking that. Say something again. Can you hear me now? Yeah, it. Yeah, it. It still sounds about the same. I turned off. That sounds. Yeah, that sounds better. That sounds better. All right, we'll do that. So, well, sorry for that audio yeah. difficulty. We're, uh, I don't typically Much do better. the podcast from uh, this vehicle. I'm usually in my house or in my office. So, but um, Much better. We're just trying to be I definitely... millennial people, and we're more Generation X uh, people. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I absolutely thought that they were possibly going to – switch the teams up because that's what you know they do when they they draw the rocks but it was so early i thought how can they be switching the teams up this early but you know that's that's what they do when they draw rocks and Um, so i didn't you know i didn't know what they were going to do um so i was glad to see that it was just a survivor summit yeah i certainly didn't want to see dave and ken separated yet Oh, I didn't either. That's my favorite connection with him and CC because it's nice seeing, you know, David's an interesting neurotic guy. I like him, Ken. You know, they were even talking about how they related him to being, you know, Ken Barbie's uh, buddy with no genitals, and I felt bad for Ken being locked into that immediately. And I like CC because she's been finding it on the show for a long time. She's getting a bad rap. She gets more of a bad rap with her in the show, and we'll we'll talk about some of that, but I'm glad no one got broke out. But well, I was a little upset that the Millennial Showman 
didn't get broken up just because I'm just tired of their thinking they can just do whatever they want. But uh, it was interesting who got picked to go. We have David, Chris, Paul, and CeCe for Generation X. So it was a nice balance between, you know, two of the guys kind of controlling the majority alliance, Chris and uh, Paul, Paul Classy. And then we had uh, Ken's crew, two of his, well, Ken's got three people in his crew, and they both went, David and CeCe. And I, I love David's gameplay because he's so quick to just sell out his whole tribe except for Kane Fifi. If you guys want to work with me, I'll work with you. I was surprised he didn't spill the beans and just tell him he had had the idol. I'm I'm, I'm glad he showed some uh, restraint there to kind of make sure that he didn't do that. Were you surprised David said what he did or did you expect him to say more? I, I was surprised that he said that he would throw out one of his, his tribe mates. You know, he he could have left that part off. Yeah. Because he doesn't know where things are going to be, you know, where the numbers are going to be. He doesn't know where his relationships are going to be or anything by the time the merge hits. So why add that last comment? You know, because I think say, you know, I'd be willing to work with you, and leave it at that. Don't say, you know, I'll throw one of my tribe mates, you know, off. Yeah, he sold. He kind of sold them out, and then yeah, and I think that it not only doesn't. It, I think it shows your flexibility, but it shows that you're, if you're willing to do anything like that to your own allies, you know, why would they want to immediately trust them? I thought it was also. Interesting how the millennials we get pretty much the Triforce gets to go plus you know Will Wall that young kid with the big booming voice so Taylor Figgy Jay and Will get randomly picked from the millennials and it could have been dicey I'm kind of I was hoping after they had the uh, when the millennials returned to camp after their first tribal council we kind of I jumped over that when we first started. But it would have been really interesting, I think, if Zeke or Adam had been at the summit, if things would have been different. Do you have a opinion on that, that if one of them had been there instead, do you think we would have seen the whole other conversation similar to what David was willing to say to the millennial? Um, I think it would have been interesting to see Zeke go because I think he's more like Gen X than – than any of yep. the other millennials. I would agree. I think that would have been. I think that would have been interesting. I'm sad that he didn't get to go. Yeah, I I think Zeke and David getting those two together is going to be pretty exciting one because they both seem pretty strong and strategic. Um, I don't remember exactly when from my notes, but I know. I think it might have been after they got back to the beach, after the swap showed Adam out on the beach, and he walked by the hidden unity idol. So I I hope I with Adam and Zeke kind of down in numbers and with some of the things I think may happen later, I'm curious how they get power. And I think that was a pretty interesting clue that the uh, editors and SCG 
were giving it for him to get that shot out by the idol. Maybe at least maybe it shows that he couldn't get it, but maybe maybe Zeke gets it. Uh, what do you think of seeing the seeing the idol um, with the purple or with the orange marking, like the one we saw David with their uh, purple marking? So we've seen the other idol, and it's, we know where it is. So you have any ideas? Do you think it's going to get a hold of that thing? I don't know. That's going to be interesting. It, it almost seems like nobody's even looking for it. Yeah, I think they're over anxious because no one wants to be seen out looking around because everyone knows they want it, but they all know that it's a problem to have in their possession or to be actively looking for it. And with it still nine people around, it's just really hard to get away for an extended period of time. It's, I don't know. It's so weird on the difference of those those two tribes, you know. Um, of course, we haven't really seen any any of the anybody but David really looking for the idol. He's been really the only one we've actually seen actively looking for one, and he actually found one. So I think that might be the only. Yeah. Brass that Paul has on the on the group, aside from David and everyone else is working really hard or you know trying to do things, so they're not really looking at them. I guess the millennials are too busy making out and getting in fights on the beach. Uh, one thing we didn't cover, which I think is a pretty big uh, group dynamics thing, is after the fight it was seven to two, and they're trying to you know figure out what's up with Hannah. We've got Adam and Zeke and Hannah on the beach. And it's a really awkward exchange where Zeke was just trying to process, and he knew he was on the bottom. He didn't want to talk about it. And Hannah, a.k.a. Sophie Jr., is just wouldn't stop talking about it. And I felt, uh, yeah, I felt bad for Zeke. I know he's in a bad position and didn't get to it, but I just don't want to talk about it. And she's like, well, don't, don't say I'm the worst person in the world. He's like, I I didn't say that. I said I didn't want to talk to you right now, so... I don't know if it's just because Hannah's one of the younger ones or just her way to read people bad, or I don't think it was coming from, like, because sometimes people get in that position where they make a move with people and they're, like, cocky and arrogant. I, I don't think it was that at all. I think she knows she may have betrayed some of her allies, and I think she was trying to appease them and wanting to talk it out, but it was just the, the lack of knowing how to to do that and just to wait till the morning. I just, it was strange to watch. What was your take on that whole scene there? It was so awkward because Zeke was trying to be nice, although he he was upset and he had a right to be. But he was, you know, he was trying to be nice to Hannah and say, I just need a moment. Please give me my moment. To, like process and then we'll talk and she's like okay but I just want to say you know he's like Hannah please just give me my space and and she just wouldn't like leave him alone and he just kept saying you know please just go over there make some rice with them or whatever and, and give me a minute you know, give me a little space, and then we'll talk. And she's like, but I just want to tell you that 
how I feel and what I want to, you know, and and she just wanted to lay out her argument and and she wanted to talk right then and he didn't want to talk right then and it was just a very awkward exchange and Adam even, you know, spoke up and said, you know, just give him some time, you know. She finally gets up and then she says that kind of that you you just said about okay I'm the, I'm the worst person in the world and he said I didn't say that you know and he said well stop making yourself out to be the victim um, and and oh my he, gosh you know, like, she, she, oh my gosh it was just a really awkward exchange and she went from trying to lay out her her case and being mm-hmm. so almost dominant about it to, okay, now I'm going to jump over to being the victim and I'm the worst person in the world. And he wasn't saying any of that. He was just asking for some time, babe, you know, just yep. give him a little space. And I don't know if anybody had ever asked her that question before it seemed like in her life. You know? Yeah, it seems to be somebody that, might be that she used to kind of possibly get in her way, and it might be a whole being a millennial, you know, millennial thing. Because I know sometimes you just want to get your point across, and I'm pretty good at reading people. I think I could have been able to gauge like as soon as Zeke had said that the first time, I'm like, all right, well, let's just talk tomorrow sometime, okay? And then I would have walked away. Um, but that's maybe a guy-girl thing, or maybe it's my Gen X mentality, or just. You know, my interpersonal skills, I think, would just be different. Plus, I deal with disgruntled people a lot, so I know, you know, you can have an initial con- confrontation or conversation, and you kind of got to go back and, you know, pick in when you want to talk about it and let people decompress, and you really need to decompress it. It sucks to go in thinking you guys are up 6-4 to four on the Showman's Alliance and then to actually get blindsided 7-3. to three. That can be hard to deal with, but I, I like Adam's quote. Because Zeke's like, I know how you feel. And he's like, yeah, you're the other one on Dumbass Island. And I, I thought that was a, a cute quote. And I like Adam a lot. He's just not in a power position. And that's why I hope that Zeke and Adam and Michaela and Hannah and Will even help maybe with Jay and Michelle and just bust up Taylor and Figgy. I don't know why. You know, you might not necessarily need them in the challenges. They're all good, but they could do stuff without both of them. Uh, they can get rid of Figgy if they're worried about the women, or if the women are worried about that, get the get rid of Taylor. Um, and then you still have the power, and you can still make moves. But uh, I thought Adam had a good quote there. But he's talking about working his way from being in the weak position. And so I think Adam's equivalent to, you know, David on the other side. That's why I think it'd be interesting if they're the ones that get the idol, because they're both... I think pretty similar. Yeah, they have a similar look, a similar mindset. You know, they're both strategists. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, but then back at the Generation Camp, uh, they cut back. I think it's I think it's at a commercial break. They're on days, and they're they're showing uh, David, me, and Cece are all they're on the bottom, and he's you know talking about. Paul some more, and Paul's like, you know, I feel awesome. I'm back, you know, back on my feet. I want to go get some fish, you know, string up some sharks and barracudas. He's like, I lived down in the Florida Keys, so I'm a big fisherman. 
And then we had a great, great. I, I, I'm really excited because in a day and a half, I'm going to meet my 440 survivor, you know, Brett from this season. I'm going to love his accent. I love his personality. And uh, he's like, yeah. Uh, let me see what the quote is. Yeah. Get some octopus. And he's just, everything he says is insane Boston accent. And he's uh yeah, he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna do that to turn it strong, I'm gonna try to get some yellow fish. And then we've got Ken chirping about you know, Ken Paul they have and how Paul's, you know, making all these promises of what he's gonna do. And then Ken goes into this whole, you know, diatribe soliloquy about all these different, you know, things that piss him off about Paul, how he's talk, and he lives in the Keys, but he's old, old rocker guy, and he wants to be in the control, and he wants to be in this power position, he thinks he's a big fisherman, but he goes out in the current bat, and he doesn't catch any fish, and uh, later, it's not a huge fish, it's not the kind of fish feast you can feed nine people with, but later on, Ken gets, you know, Ken gets, Ken gets this fish. And they return from the summit, and it's neat to know um, they come back to draw the millennials. They're one that said the first thing the millennials were wanting to talk about was Ken, because he's pretty much the youngest uh, player. So it's like being the oldest millennial, and Ken's the youngest Gen X. It's got to be you know tough for them to connect with people. But it was neat how you know Ken was his focal point. He didn't like how they were wanting to objectify him. You know, they were talking about just kind of who he, who he is. He's a big model, and he has a certain look. And, you know, he's like half my childhood. I'm, you know, I'm named after a plastic Barbie doll boyfriend with no penis. <laughs> uh, that was just... All this stuff, he's going through it, and he's just... He's, I felt really I've never been in the position where I've really been objectively much. Like I felt, I felt bad for for both well, of them. I felt bad. Yeah, I mean, maybe Brad or Chris or Stacy, maybe I don't know. More North American. I don't know. It's uh. It's got to be bad to be called something that you hate, you know, to be referred to as something that you you like to be referred to as, you know. And Kendall, thinking of it as plastic Barbie with, with no penis, I mean, when that thought just starts rolling through your head over and over, I mean, you know, poor Ken doesn't want that to be what he's referred to as. And then David is the one that brought that back from the other island, you know, or from the summit. And it was just awkward there again, another awkward moment, you know. Ha 
how would you feel if you were referred to as as Kendall? Fifty five percent change to my physical body, so I do get talked at a lot. I mean, people talk to me all the time about, "Wow, you're looking great," and "Wow, you need to start." I'm getting it now. People are saying you need to start eating, and people used to tell me you need to stop eating. So, because uh, I, I, it's definitely nowhere near that. I'm, I'm not. I don't have any shots down. I'm not going to be working for Abercrombie and Fitch. Um, I have, yeah, I've been a little bit this year, to be perfectly honest, though. But I can't imagine having that for 30-some years like it is. So many other, you know, very physically explaining people that have seen all these men on the show. We've got former men Ohio and the men other states. So there's some beautiful people there. It's different people bring different people to the table. It's just because Ken looks. And also, people under underestimate his intelligence, his charisma, and his social skills. It's just pretty. It's like you wouldn't underestimate somebody because they could be really smart or really socially sound just because they're not some Adonis with a you know, six-pack abs, you know, a nice tan or whatever. So, yeah, I thought it was Interesting, and David's there just trying to strengthen his bond. I think he was one to put Ken, you know, kind of, you know, show that they're, you know, people are curious about Ken, but I did find it curious to kind of, you know, getting Ken in a bad spot. Is that what you meant earlier, that he might not have been good to put Ken business out there, that he was that big of a target? Yeah, in a way. I mean, I, I just feel bad for him that he's kind of being referred to as that, and Yes, yeah, some people, you know, some people may be looking at it like, oh, you know, they're they really like him, or they're looking at him as as you know this model and and noticing his abs, and you know, if we merge, they might you know be going toward him, um, especially somebody like Paul, who is sort of the leader of the pack. Um, hearing um, something like that might be thinking we need to get rid of this guy because, you know, if we merge, the other tribe is going to be trying to pull him in, you know. So I just thought it was it was just one of those awkward moments where, I don't know, the whole thing was just awkward, you know. And, and poor David was the one that brought the comment back from the other other tribes, so I felt bad maybe. for him too in a way because you know maybe that was a comment he should have just left unspoken. You know, <laughs> I think he kind of got put out on awesome. Too. He was trying to do that to somebody else. Paul was like talking about how David's afraid of all of this, and you know, kind of showing him trying to make David look weak in front of the millennials. So maybe subtly he did that, but I, I thought it was interesting how. They're immediately looking to see, like, you know, Paul's the leader in a rock band, and the millennials want to talk to him, and um, found that interesting. And he's like, yeah, he's a rocker. He tells the audience what they want to hear, maybe not to what they want or what he thinks they want to hear, and not what people actually want to hear. I thought that was one of the best. Yeah, books. yeah, I like that, too. And, and it were, was really cool how how he and, um oh, gosh, now I'm going to forget his name, the youngest one on the season from oh, uh, the Millennials. Oh, uh, 
conversation, I think, right? Or what was the youngest one? Or was it Jay? Yeah. Have, have it, Gabe and he were able to flip off there at the very end of the summit and talk, which you didn't see too much of that during the summit. You didn't see, see two people slipping away and, and being able to talk privately. We got with Taylor. Yeah, you mean when he was talking to Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, well, Cece and David were right with Taylor and Piggy, which is interesting because they're technically uh, both of those alliances until they both flipped last week and this week. It's interesting how what were the minority alliances when they went to the summit, they were both willing to talk. So Cece and David with Ken were three against six. And then Taylor and Figgy were willing to talk with David and Cece, and until Hannah and uh, until Hannah flipped over with Michaela and uh, Will, they were would have been in the majority minority too. So it was neat how they, you know, flipped it around. But I also agree that David just we talked earlier just you know sold his people under way too were way too quick. Uh, so they get home yeah. and. We recap the kick part. Um, I thought it was neat because Jessica showed her wherewithal to talk to Ken, and you know he was going to talk about how he's on the outs, and he started to feed this speech that maybe Paul should have been a target. And she's like, "I know you're on the outs," and she had a great, really long confessional talking about, but she wants to stick with Paul and her six because she's really trying to get to day 36 to that legacy advantage. And as long as she's got the numbers, it doesn't really mean she has to be with Paul and Chris. An amazing thing happened. Um, I believe it was after the challenge, so I don't want to spend too much about it until we get to it. But we hadn't heard a peep out of Lucy for two whole episodes, and then this episode, and then the promo for next week. You know, Lucy... Lucy's showing at the end of the episode we are gonna to get to the removal of the first, you know, Gen X tyrant who had a big X on his back after the women got together when he got cocky. It looks like Lucy might be putting herself in that position, which I just don't get nothing from her, and then we get her talking and it's next time on Survivor promo, she's like, you're, you're, you need to stop talking. I'm like, dang, where did you come from? Right. No kidding. <laughs> Once she starts, it's like, oh, my goodness. Maybe it was better she just wasn't talking to begin with. <laughs> um, it was interesting, too, how how the whole Paul thing came about Um we would have thought that it was started maybe by Dave and and Ken, but it wasn't. It was because of a conversation he had with the girls. And I can't believe he opened up his mouth and stuck in his big old leg and his foot and his, I don't know, it was getting pretty close to whatever else because it was just, I can't believe he did that. And he's like, yeah, if you need to, you know, if once we get rid of them, I'm going to stick with it. He pretty much said he was going to stick with the guys, didn't he? Well, she she said that she was going to stick with with them as long as there wasn't a guy's thing. And he said, oh, no, no. He goes, there's none of that. He goes, if there was, I would tell you, and I'd tell you, you you ladies are on your own. 
I'm like, what the? I mean, is this guy's team survivor? We're in season 33. And I don't know if he can get away with being that brash and arrogant. Maybe on Wow, Tom and Ian could have gotten away with that. Or, you know, some of these other, you know, power leaders, maybe Terry Dietz would have tried it in Panama. But what what do you think? And I just don't get the strategy there. And that was just simply the wrong thing to say, you know, to – they needed to be told for sure, definitely there's no guys thing. There never will be. If it's brought up, I'll shoot it down. You know, those girls wanted to hear that they are not numbers five and six on this alliance of six. That's what they were looking to hear at that moment. Yeah, and that's where he could have been like, or, you know, Brett, Brett, Brett and Chris think I'm at their boys, but, you know, when we get down to it, uh, it'd be smarter if I went with you ladies, you and you, like, telling Sunday, like, you and Jessica, or telling Jessica, you and Sunday, like, you know, you have to get your hands dirty. You gotta, you gotta stretch the truth or break the truth or lie a little bit. You gotta make each person feel like they're your your strongest ally and that you're their safest connection. And when you don't do that, you know, you undermine your game. And when they lost, even though CC didn't do well in the challenge, he all put the target on his back and you know helped shield his own face. And the women were sure glad to help him with it. You know, my husband and I talked about this, and my husband brought up a great point. Cece may have taken a long time to get across that um, beam, but at least she made it across, and she made it across with a bag. Paul tried to make it across with a bag, fell off the beam, went back and dropped the, the bag off to somebody else and went across yep. without a bag and never did carry a bag over the, the beam. So, to me, even though she took a long time, she did cross with a bag and didn't throw it off to somebody else. You know, she at least did carry her load. Even though yep. she took a long time to do it, she carried her load. Paul never did carry his load. He fell with it and then threw it off to somebody else and went by himself and, yeah, and he, never did make it over with his own his own load. So to me, I mean, at least she's trying and she did her best and she didn't throw yeah. her weight off to somebody else, you know. Well, that's good. She carried her own weight and she. It just could have been a little quicker, so that could have helped him in the puzzle because they were closing the gap. You know, Ken, you know, you know, Ken pulled him through and really tightened that thing up. But uh, he really did <laughs> with everything going on there with the different parts to it. But you know, it was uh, challenging to say the least. It was neat how people, different people, stepped up. The different parts of it, Taylor and Chris, both had to carry their team. Because the millennials are having some trouble um, getting over the balance beam. You know, like you said, Paul fell. Um, but, you know, Jay was just demolishing that thing. They get to the puzzle. And that was cool to, you know, Jeff Probst was tweeting a lot about, you know, how interesting that challenge was. And then I gave him some props online. It was, you know, you know, pretty, pretty, 
pretty interesting. But as soon as we get this quote from Chris, I I knew that DC wasn't as in danger just because of you know from watching editing. You know, Chris is like DC took the same time it took for three people to get across. I'm not sure how she doesn't go home tonight, and that's when I was pretty much sure that whatever's going to happen tonight out of these nine people from Generation X, after getting that quote from Chris, Cece. Uh, <laughs> I knew it wasn't going to be Cece, and I thought maybe David's going to play the idol, and I guess it's all before the girls, or the women, sorry. They're, these are Gen X women, not not girls. They um they they turned the tide on him, so I was I love the Sometimes the cast or the editor give us a clue like that, and it's, it's a big fake out, and CC is going home. I just got a gut feeling that wasn't going to happen, and, and, and it wasn't what happened. And well, they, they did back. the same exact editing the, the episode before. Yeah. I mean, the same exact editing right before the commercial with the, a quote like that, go to commercial. I mean, it was almost identical editing. Yeah. And so they're almost getting to the point where they're getting almost a little lazy in their editing and they need to switch that up because, you know, everyone's catching on to their editing. And yeah. so you know when someone set makes a comment like that, we're all catching on, okay, that person's not going home. And you know, so the, their editing needs to be switched up a little bit so that we're a little bit more on edge about who it might be because now that they've started doing this on a regular basis, as soon as we hear that comment, we know, okay, well, that person's not going. Yeah, we know they're safe. And... So that you don't want their editing to get stale. No. And they don't telegraph it that much. And maybe they're just one to say, you know, CC's buried. But anytime they've ever done it that blatantly, you know, it's, that's not what's going to happen. So I just thought it was, I it was, it was interesting. But as soon as I saw it, I made a huge note in the margin because I'm like, yeah, whatever happens, CC's not going home. I, I knew that was the case. Right. Um, but they get back to the beach. You know, the, the six of them are acting like they're in a group. Uh, you know, David, Cece, and Ken are doing their own thing. And Brett's like, yeah, we all agree. And he's like, yeah, we've got we've got what's going on. And he's, you know, made the same point again. You know, three people crossed when she was doing her cross. Um, and then Sunday's like, it's all locked down. And we voted for Cece. And Brett's like, yeah, it sucks. And then Chris is like, doesn't really suck that much. And I'm like, Oh, Chris, just wait till you get to the wait till you get to the end of the episode, buddy. You're gonna see how much it sucks. Uh, you're gonna be in the in the uh almost the exact same numbers thing that uh Adam and Zeke were in on the other tribe. Like these two guys think they got everything going on, some of them good strategists and they're uh up shit creek without a paddle. So and that's not the kind of creek you wanna be in. And Not that crazy. <laughs> like to throw out those old school references. So. But then we get to the conversation you'd mentioned before. You know, we're working through. DC's trying to work her game with Sunday. They're talking about it. And then David's like, he wants to get the target to Paul. 
and he already, he's already on the bottom, so we got to start talking to these girls. And he he said he's going to get his idol, and there's no point not having that. And it seems like Paul's like it seems like CC's on her way, and then Jessica's like, as long as you guys don't do the boys thing, um, we'll be fine. And he just tidy this with Chris and with Brett, and I'm like, dude, what are you? What are you doing? <laughs> I know. So, you know, they tried to keep us a little confused going into tribal council about whether, you know, it was going to be Paul or Cece. But we all knew with the quote we heard earlier that it wasn't going to be Cece. And so, you know, we kind of knew that Paul was going to be blindsided, and it was a great blindside. Yeah. All was at the tribal council, and Jeff was on fire talking about, you know, more of these millennial Gen X and how you relate. Do you do, you do this when you text, and are you doing that? And it was interesting. Yeah. Like, do you say this when, you're, when you text? I was like, this is a whole interesting Conversation we've got going here. When you um, when you uh, say you, do you spell out the word Y O U or do you type the word you? <laughs> and in the, the argument, he got in with Ken, and I love how you know even though Ken's the youngest, uh, just because he's the youngest Gen Xer or one of the youngest, I liked how he was arguing right back with uh, with Jeff. He's like. You know, I, I like vinyl. And I no like doubt. Vinyl. I like vinyl, too. Boys like the poetic language. We're losing that with the millennials. And, and one of the more frustrating things I've seen with some of my... I've got some good friends that are my age, that are Generation X, Baby Boomers, the War Generation, even the students I work with. Some of the way they communicate with me is extremely frustrating to try to read, like, See you later, and it's like a C and a U, and it's like L T R or you know all these weird L and the number eight and an R. Yeah, like that really saves time. I I think that'd be harder than to say later. Um, just some of that shorthand, and then that's where these confusing communications occur that I've had to deal with, or I've had to clarify. Like I had to pull people and be like, "What what did you mean by that? Or what what are we talking about?" Like just solid. <laughs> That's why, for the longest time, I didn't like Twitter like Zeke because I'm the kind of person that, you know me, Sherry, I could talk for two hours about anything almost, so I don't like, it's really hard for me to tweet because I only have 140 characters. That includes spaces. I, I need, I need like 1,400 characters. Oh, uh, honey, I, trust me, I was the me. same way when I first got on Twitter. I, I had to learn all types of abbreviations and me trying to say anything in 140 characters was nearly impossible I've I've been forced to learn just because of the show I've been forced to learn how to break down what I want to say and it's been tough because I'm like you I I can go on and on and I'm way wordy about anything I say and Oh my God! So we're both we're both in the same category in that we can we can both 
talk. <laughs> and I'm not musical, but I, I like Ken saying all that. Also talking about vinyl, like the whole digital thing. Like I, I, I know our students, I see some that have record players, and I don't really have very many CDs, and I like music, but music's never been, you know, a huge thing for me. I love it, but it's not. I literally own like four CDs. I don't even have a uh, an iPod. Is that the one that you walk around with? I sound like a little buddy out here. Like, you one of them iPod things? You stick on your ear. Like, have one of those. Like, you know, that's just music's not my thing. But I like how Ken's fifteen years younger than Jeff Probst, and Jeff's acting like he's all this, you know, tech savvy and like, I don't know. I just found it interesting. But I, I like Ken even more. And, uh, you know, I couldn't believe Paul Before our house burned down, we had hundreds of vinyl albums. I mean, hundreds. And we were the vinyl album kind of people. But after losing all those vinyls, it's just too hard to try to rebuild a, a collection like that. So we haven't gone back and tried to rebuild it. But we lost hundreds of of vinyl albums when our house burned down, and there is something to be said about vinyl, you know. I have to say. So, yeah, and it's got a sound, and uh, technology. I mean, technology makes it easier to stick all your. You can stick ten thousand songs on your phone and have them, you know, right with you. So I, I understand why it makes sense. You don't want to carry around a a huge big troll or a record player and hundreds of records, it it makes sense and it's faster if you're communicating to write a C and a U, but I don't know, when you start with a C and a U it's a pretty bad word. So I don't I just don't see why people need to communicate like that. But the last thing I'm gonna make before we get to the actual vote is uh Paul there's a quote with Paul and he's like, because Jeff's trying to figure out like you know, about the, where the power structure is and do people feel, how do you think the people at the bottom feel? And he, he was at the bottom and he's just just so cocky and arrogant about, you know, I, how, I know how people feel in my position, so I don't know what it feels like to be in their position. <laughs> well, <laughs> Paul, Paul found out in about three or four minutes what uh, that other position felt like. As he had some knife stabbed in his back and side. So I'm glad he recovered medically, but he couldn't recover strategically. And he gets the vote uh, 6-3, right? I didn't rewatch the vote count. They only showed the five that were needed, but I'm pretty sure it was 6-3, to right? I think so. When Jeff asked him, I forget the the exact question that Jeff asked him, but Paul said, well, I think – us six are feeling pretty comfortable, and those three are feeling pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. Are pretty nervous or something like that. And so he placed himself and his, you know, posse, Paul's posse, in the, you know, comfortable category. And yeah. then, you know, Dave, Ken, and Cece in the uncomfortable category. Yeah. And shortly thereafter, they voted, and all of a sudden, he was quite uncomfortable. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, very, very <laughs> uncomfortable. 
And Ken even stuck it back to him, right? The second to last person to talk before Jessica. He's like, he goes, some people feel more comfortable. Uh, and those people tend to be an asset. I think he was having a jab like, hey, you feel comfortable, but you're not really bringing anything to the tribe. And he was getting the boot. And then Jessica just said she hoped there were souls help the tribe. So she, everyone knew what was about to happen. Um, so I just, I thought it was a, I thought it was a great episode. This whole season, I've enjoyed it. Uh, um, there's not been, there's not been some of that mean nastiness that we had on Co Wrong, especially on the Braun Tribe with Alicia versus Scott and Jason, and just some of the other, you know, tension brewing or some of the fights between people on the Brains Group or the Beauty Group. So, um, yeah, I liked it. Now, excitement coming up. You know, tensions high. Um, with I think there could be another thing brewing. There could be a swap of some kind. Um, and Paul just was so surprised in his final words. I just can't believe the what happened to him. And I I made a tweet to Jervis Jervis Peterson from uh, Borneo and versus Watt and tweeted something. And I'm like I'm like yeah. I hope Paul enjoys fishing at Ponderosa to somebody because maybe he'll have a better shot and it'll be easier to fish. And I said, you know, Paul wanted to be in so much control. I said he can control the back row at the finale where he'll be sitting with all these other losers and then he can control the pre-Ponderosa trip and tell them where they're going to go on their vacation while everyone else is on the jury fighting for the money. So I, I like Paul. I want to meet him. You know me. I like all the cast. So at some point I'll get to meet was- Paul. I'll spread how Paul is. But, yeah. He did take it very well um, when he was, you know, blindsided. He he did take it very well. He wasn't mean and nasty. He, uh, you know, wished his, his, wished everyone good luck. And he did say that it was, you know, one of the best times of his life. And he he was very nice about the whole thing. So I think Paul's a great guy. And... You know, I I would love to meet him as well. I think he's, you know, great for going out there and giving it his all at his age. And I was rooting for him. It's just, you know, when it comes down to the game of Survivor, you know, Ken was providing more. And, you know, I don't know. I just, you can't have a, a big posse like that and not, and not pull your weight. So. Yep, you got you got to do it. And I'll I'll, I'll uh, fully agree with you, and I, I commend Paul for being the oldest player too. And he was great TV, so you can't knock that. Um, so right. Glad he's doing well. I'm glad he medically didn't have to get pulled from the game, so he got to rebound. And uh, I guess as we get to the last, uh, going into episode four. Do you have one or two people from each tribe you really like and you want to do well? And do you have one or two people that you can't wait to see their name on the majority of the parchments? And then I'll answer the question too for my sake. Who are you? Who do you? Who are you pulling for? And who are you not pulling for right now? Four four episodes in coming up. Um, I'm I'm really pulling for. Oh gosh, I don't know. I'm pulling for for Ken and, and Dave right now. Those are two of my favorite people on on the Survivor. Okay. okay. 
So you don't you so you like Ken and David. So on uh, who on X are you not pulling for? Um, like the like lead, or if they got voted out, it wouldn't hurt your feelings too bad. <laughs> I don't know. That's hard for me. Okay. I hate to say. I hate to say that. I don't know. Let's see what happens. I'll, I'll I'll give my take in a minute, but then with the millennials, how how do you feel about that group? Who do you have one or two you like? And the same question for them. Is it easier to say somebody on the millennials you want to get rid of? I I think the tribe would do better if Figgy was gone. I would I agree the, with you. The She's dyna- a beautiful girl. The dynamic would yeah. She is a beautiful girl. But I think the dynamic of the tribe would change if Biggie was gone. And I think it would be a good, a better dynamic of the tribe if she was gone. I think Hair would sort of wake up and become more of a tribe mate rather than playing house on Survivor. Yep, it'll it'd pull Taylor in. It would make, you know, Michelle still keep her power position. Um, and she'd be able to have more strength with Taylor because he probably might have feelings for her too. Who knows? It would help Jay's game, and I think it would help everyone else. So I would agree with that sentiment to, you know, Biggie can go bye-bye. Um, and for the millennials, I, um, I'm i liking Zeke still. I, Zeke, Zeke I, I just think he's an interesting, compelling person to watch, and I like Adam. So I, I want them to do all this. You know, I still like Jay. I think Michelle showed her power, so I don't have any issue with him. But I would agree wholeheartedly that Vicky not being there, not a big deal for me. Um, and I'll say for Generation X, I we're on the same page for that. Uh, you know, I like Ken the most. David, I think, is quirky and is going to be a fun, interesting person. I know if he gets to the jury, just he's going to have a good thing. He's going to have something articulate to say. Um, and my least like would probably be there's a couple down there for me. I'd never have liked Lucy. I don't. She just she rubs me the wrong way. Um, Jessica is growing on me, but she's definitely down there as well. And just Chris kind of has my look a little bit. I mean, the closest one I look like of any of them is Chris. If I had a better goatee, and I just think he's. I think he's a good dude in the way he operates. I, I do like his work ethic, and he's straightforward, and I just haven't really gotten a good gel with him. So those are mine. That's kind of where I am going into week four. On the millennials, I kind of like Zeke, um, although he's not in the power alliance, so to speak. Um, yeah. He's one of those quirky ones, and – I just like him for some reason. There's something about him that and he's an interesting character. Uh, he reminds and, me of Ty, just not his sexual identity. Just As soon as we started hearing from Ty, I wanted to hear Ty talk every episode. And the same thing with Zeke. Whenever I, I can imagine Zeke in a room of 50 people out of finals for casting, which is somebody that the, the producers loved the moment they saw him and they I bet he was one of the locks from the beginning of the season, and that's that's just my take too. I think Zeke's just a, he's just a great personality. I'm kind of shocked we had to wait till season 33 to find this guy. 
I don't know where he's been hiding around, but yeah, he's he's definitely an interesting guy, and you do want to hear more from him every you know every episode, and so I I really like him. I I'm sad that he's not you know in that power alliance or, or in a better position on the tribe. You know, I'm worried about him every every episode because yeah. you know. Um, I don't want to see him get voted out. So I hope he makes it to the merge and, you know, we get to see him stick around for a long time. Um, I don't want to see him go. And, you know, the same with, with Ken and Dave. I Those two are just, you know, really cool people. And I, I'm going to be interested to see how the dynamics of the tribe changes on um, Gen X now that Paul is gone. I hope that they start seeing Ken's worth. Yeah. And, you know, he's so humble about what he does. He doesn't ask yeah. for accolades and attaboys and, and he's not on a power trip. You know, he does it out of need and kindness and, you know, he just does it because he can and because he wants to feed his tribe and because it's what needs to be done. And he doesn't need all that, you know, look what I've done for you, you owe me, and, you know, all that stuff that, you know, a lot of people do He's just very humble about it and doesn't, you know, beat his own chest about, you know, the stuff that he can do. And so I hope that they will see his worth and sort of pull him in as a leader now. Because he's, he's been worth his weight in golden challenges, too. Not just feeding a tribe and doing work around the, the camp and stuff, he's been powerful in, in the, the challenges as well. He's the glue. He's the one that, you know, making it happen. And he's, I, and it's curious, even if I think if Gen X goes to tribal council, even if CC has another bad challenge, I think they could, you know, Sunday and Lucy, and then they could still twist it back on her if she does something really bad, but they still have, they'd still be in a majority position against Brett and Chris. And I think they're going to need it, but they're also going to see that those strong guys at the merge, Chris is going to be a threat. Brett's going to be less of a threat. Um, and I, I hope Ken's like putting a target on his back. I think he's seen it as an asset, but come that merge, you know, the right situation, they're going to have to unify against the millennials who are going to all be going gun-ho. And you got to think, you know, going into a merge where we're only probably three or four episodes away, if not sooner, you know, Jay – Taylor, Will, even, versus, like, you know, your Chris and Ken. There's going to be a lot of alpha males, so um, uh, the women might want to all unite in general. But it's going to be interesting, the dynamics, and we've got a lot of Survivor to get to until then. But it's a great season. I'm really enjoying it, and uh, can't wait for this weekend. It's, it's going to be it's going to be a great time up at this anti-bullying event. Um I was yes. about to meet another new survivor, but she's not going to be there. Linda Spencer from Survivor Africa, I was emailing her, and she's not going to be in the city. We're still going to 
Uh, Isabel and I are going to, we land in the morning. We're going to do a bunch of stuff around New England, but we're going to get to go to Harvard in the morning and, you know, check out campus and stop by where she works at least. So I can at least say I've been to, been to her office and uh, walk around and see the great sights. meet up with my some of my buddies, and we're going to do some fun stuff Friday. And then Saturday is pretty much all day bowling and partying and, you know, helping stop in bullying. And I, I can't wait to see all these cast members. I was putting pictures, and it was crazy looking at uh, – I just saw Rodney – Lavoy back in January, and since I've seen him, I've I think it's I've lost almost 130 pounds, and it's only been like nine months, so it's still it's still crazy. So I think people are going to be shell shocked again. A couple of my friends just saw me in uh, in June, and since June I've lost over 30 35 pounds. So it's just wow, it's just crazy. Crazy whirlwind. I mean, right now I'm sitting at 253. Um, and after this, we were, I was sweating a lot of this bonfire by this raging 30 foot fire, moving, you know, wood around. So who knows what I weigh right now. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some friends, getting some new pictures. I'll get to see uh, Michelle and Aubrey. You know, Michelle won, and we were trying to get her on the podcast. She'll be there. Aubrey's going to be there. Joe Anglum, Rodney, Mike. Holloway, Dan Foley, Jeremy Collins, Val, um, a whole bunch of people, and some people from Big Brother and the Amazing Race. I'd like to, you know, Michelle and um, um, Louie for their shows. Uh, Michelle's going to be there, so we'll have to definitely take a picture and we'll tweet it out, the two two of the three hosts. Yes, yes. And um, haven't seen her for several years, so it would be great to finally see her, and I uh, was wasn't sure what they were doing a special VIP party for the the survivors and the Big Brothers and the Racers on Friday. Um, I'm not going to be attending that, but in the process of talking to Rodney, he needed some more help, so I was able to sponsor Victor from uh, Big Brother, who's been such a huge character. So he'll be there, and James oh and Natalie. Gosh. So uh, I'm excited to meet them because they were so. Aside from Paul, they were my favorites this season. So, um, I love maybe. James and Natalie. I I was trying to get James to uh, do a show with us. I would love to have James because Michael Cowboy Ellis wrapped up with us. He's no longer with us. He is attending to his family matters, um, and he did his last show with us when Big Brother ended um season 18, so I'm going to be looking for a new Big Brother host for the regular seasons of Big Brother and, you know, just for the summer seasons, and I I would love to have James or James and Natalie or any way I could get James. Um, so talk to him. See if you can get him to come on with us. I'll talk um, to him and get Michelle and get them. They probably know Michelle and let her know and help. we'll both try to sell the you know, the Big Brother show. And I haven't been watching the new season that's online. Is that something that she's covering on the Manic Monday thing, or is that? Yes, yes. Okay. The all-access one. Big Brother over the okay. top. Um, but make sure you do get a picture with Michelle. And if you can get a picture with Michelle and Louie, that would be awesome. Um, tell them both I said hi. Uh, so... 
enjoy yourself up there. Have a great time. Tell everybody I said hi. And just have a great time. That's for such a great cause for bullying. And I hope they have a wonderful success with their their charity up there. I, I hope it's a great – I hope the same thing in that if all kids cannot be bullied, we live in a great, greater place and these kids wouldn't even go – people wouldn't go on Survivor like David that, you know, felt like an outsider or Ken, even though he looks great. You know, people feel right. ostracized. It doesn't need to happen in our world. We're all, you know, we're all human beings, and we all have the same feelings. And when you treat each other as best as we can, the golden rule is a big deal. So. That's right. It's so true. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for tonight. Thank you so much for calling in tonight and recapping Survivor. I know it's been a, a long night for you. You guys travel safe. And have a fun time up at um, Rodney Bowl. And we'll be doing this all again next Thursday. I want to remind everybody to join us on Monday for Monday with Michelle Costa at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. We're going to have Glenn Garcia from Big Brother 18 joining us for this Monday. So be here with us for that. Here is Ron to take us out for tonight. Everybody, say prayers for Florida and for all those being affected by Hurricane Matthew. Everyone, take care. Be safe. Here's Ron to take us out for tonight. Good night, all. I want to finish off the show with a little music and say to all my listeners, thank you guys and thank you all for coming in. God bless you, and thank you for listening to the show. And it was a great one. It's always a great one with Mike Albright. Mike and the mic. Say good night, Mike. Good night. Mike is dropped. <laughs> okay. That's a wrap for us, everybody. Take care. Be with us Monday and Thursday. That's it for us tonight. Be kind to everybody out there. Good night, all.